God has kind of put it on my heart that I'm, I'm trying to drag him up here in the wintertime, but he's scared. <clears throat> right, right. As long as he knows he can leave, he's okay. Because he says, man, just two days ago, I'm in flip-flops and shorts, and I'm come up here, and he says, it's cold. And I'm like, brother, man, it's just shorts weather still. We're, we're still good, you know. Anyway, God's something God's put on my heart. At some point here in the future, we're going to... I want to have a conference. I don't know if I want to call it a revival or a refreshing conference or some kind of a conference. And I want to bring Josh up and, and to do the worship. And maybe Jeremy will have different speakers and, and just have a few nights of just getting in God's presence and hearing the word of God and, and, and having a conference. You know, why, we don't have to drive to Midland for the Holy Spirit conference. We can have the UP Holy Spirit conference, right? Now, I'm not going to steal Dr. Barkley's thunder or his name because once it starts happening here... People won't go to Midland, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> and I'll tell Doc that. Don't worry. You know, Doc and I have that kind of relationship. He just kind of laughs. <laughs> you know, if some of you ever got to know Doc Barkley, he is a hoot. He is an absolute right. He's not this staunch, stern guy that everybody thinks he is. He's crazy. So anyway, um, and I met Jeremy, and, and the thing I appreciate about both of these men, I get calls all the time about people saying, hey, you know, I'm coming up to your area and I've got a word for your church and I tell them, yeah, and so do I. That's not what these guys are about. Do you know they really love us? And when they come and minister, you can tell. This is a supernatural thing and, and they've got a heart and Jeremy never says, well, geez, if you can pay for this. He just says, I'll come anytime you want me to come. He doesn't talk about finances. He doesn't care if we give him a dime. He doesn't care. And we are going to take an offering for him after because that's what we do. We are going to support the ministry and the gifts of God that come through this body that bless us. Um, and so, but I want you to know where their heart is because I appreciate, as a pastor, I appreciate that because you don't know how many people fight to stand behind this pulpit and minister to you people. And I'm very, very cautious and careful about that. And, but these are good-hearted men that love God. They love this region. God sent a, a dude that doesn't like the cold all the way from Memphis. He's got to have a love in his heart for us to come all the way up here. Amen. And, and Josh, you know, he's from Lansing. But I want to tell you what. This dude's a youper. He was born in St. Ignace. Now, my question is, somewhere along the line, he missed God and he's in Lansing and should be in a Sioux. But anyway, that's a conversation for another time. Praise God. Anyway, praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, praise God. Jeremy, come. Minister the word of God. Let's give Jeremy a hand. Okay, cool. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? I have bad news for you. You are not going to beat the Baptist church to the local cafeteria today because it's already 12 o'clock, right? Almost 12 o'clock. Yeah. So, but we got, we, okay, we're good. Then we're good to go. Awesome, awesome. You didn't hear Josh a minute ago when he said he, said he was born in St. Ignis, uh, he said he's got street cred, right? He's got street cred here. He's official, you know. I do not have street cred <laughs> very much. Um, I just want to say thank you so much uh, to Pastor and, and just how, I, how many of you guys know you have a great blessing in the people that pastor and care for you. And, and, and man, th these guys love you. These guys love you. And they are truly, truly, truly a blessing. They would be a blessing to a lot of other places. You're, you're truly blessed, man. They, they love you dearly. Um, my wife, Denise, is back in Memphis with our three kids, and uh, we're crazy. We have three beagle puppies uh, right now. 
this is a long story, but yes, we have three 18-week-old beagle puppies, so uh, it's pretty hilarious. So she's literally taking care of three puppies and three kids, but she does love you guys. She's so excited that I'm able to be here with you guys. I, I, you know, I, I come running home with all the stories of what's happened in the past year here, and it's just been like, she's like, Are you, you're, you're kidding. And so she's just, uh, she's praying for you guys. She's believing God that we're going to see amazing things uh, today, and uh, it's awesome. And she would say, hi, y'all. That's what she would say to you all. So, um, yeah. All right, well, let's get into the Word this morning, shall we? This morning, I want to, I'd love to just take a few minutes and talk about um, spiritual gifts this morning. How's that, how does that sound? Um, I don't want to talk about spiritual gifts in, in, in so much as a teaching that lets break down spiritual gifts and what, you know, every gift. I mean, you have an incredible pastor who absolutely is, can instruct you guys in that. I want to talk about spiritual gifts in the context of motivating us to love one another as the church, okay? Can we do that this morning? Let me just pray, and we'll, and we'll get into this. Jesus, thank you so much for uh, an incredible morning, man. Thank you for Josh and the team, how they led us into your presence, Lord. And we are expecting more of that tonight, God. We're expecting just whatever you want to do today, whatever you want to say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Lord, I just thank you for these small children that were standing up here this morning and standing before us, and they were in here worshiping with us, and what Josh said is true, Psalm 8 is true, that out of the mouths of infants and babes, you've ordained praise to silence the enemy. So we sing over one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs this morning, and people know this, that a child has sung over you, and whatever's going on in your life, his praise this morning is silence what's going on in your life, even if you don't even have faith to see it. That little boy just walked across the front here with that, with that, with that flag in his hand, and what I saw was a sword. Man, the, 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 a spiritual sword. So this morning, we love you, Jesus. We're so thankful that we get to enter in and look into your word. Lord, may the word of God go into our hearts and transform us. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, man, let's just get right into it. The first thing I want to do is kind of kick over a spiritual cow before we even start, start this. A lot of people view spiritual gifts through the lens of... Pastor X or Person X has this ability. I could never have that ability. It's only de designated for really, really special people. That is not true. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means from the moment you were born, God gave you gifts in your heart, natural talents and giftings, but even spiritual giftings. That's why you can see in the natural people who don't follow Jesus, yet they still have the ability to somehow operate in a spirit. It's a wrong spirit, but they know how to do it. It's just like when you, when you, you know, look on the TV and somebody's telling you, that, you know, you can talk to psychics or read tarot cards. That, that, is a, that is a distorted, a distorted gift that God has given to that person that was naturally given to them. It's, it is true. This is what, this is the, the first point is this today. God did not give me, just because I have a speaking gift or pastor, just because he has a speaking gift or a pastoral gift, any greater gift than he's given to anybody else in here. You might have a different gift, but my gift is not greater than your gift. Say, your gift is valid. Okay, good. So that's just true. Gifted people, just because I have the ability to train and to teach and rebuke as a pastor or an elder, doesn't mean that my gift is greater than your gift. So here's the truth. Actually, our jobs, Ephesians 4.11, tell pastor and I that our job or any other elder in the room that's, that, that's here or pastor in the room, that our job is to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, pastors, 
teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. The, our job is to equip you to do the work. A lot of people for years and years looked at it and said, well, you're the pastor. It's your job. Do the work. Yes, we are called to do the work of the ministry because we're Christians, right? We're not just leaders of this church. We're members, we're members of this church. We're just like, man, when my family's hurting or if pastor's family is hurting, it's our job to minister to one another and love one another. And that's, the, that, that's what God's calling us to. But here's the cool, cool thing. When you look at Fortune 500 companies or you look at all these things, it doesn't work this way. It's a top-down sort of leadership. It's sort of like there's a key man, right? There's, a, there's the guy, and he might have his little inner circle of people, his cabinet of people, and then they tell everybody else what to do, and they set policy. That is not how the kingdom of God works. It is not tapped down. It's bottom up. We're on the ground, and we're building the church, the kingdom of God, to, to, to raise up and equip you to do the work of the ministry. And that's why I want to talk about spiritual gifts this morning, okay? Spiritual gifts are not just for us. Jesus said, he who wants to become the greatest must become the servant of all. Think about that. If you want to be great, you got to be a servant. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? It's, and I, and I, don't, I, and I want to I adjust something. Serving isn't just potlucks or pot blessings or setting up chairs or cleaning bathrooms. Serving one another is literally using the God-given gift that God has put inside of you, a spiritual gift, to bless another person, to love other people. And I'll get it, we're going get, to sort of get into the details of what that looks like. But here's the thing. Um, what qualifies us as pastors to pastor is this, that it's not just our giftings. Because there's lots of people who are talented who don't have any character. Amen? If you've watched Christian television for more than five minutes, when you see somebody who's super well-known, and it's tragically they collapse because their, their, their gifting took them where their character couldn't keep them, Right? Our gifting and our families are what validate in us to be able to do the work of the ministry. How can I stand in front of you and tell you how to walk in the way of the gospel and Jesus and Christ living if my family is a mess? Right? If I and, and man, I, I get it. There are certain six situations that are out of a past, pastor's control, but it's about how I respond, how I love my children, how I love my wife, and what is the core principles that drive our family that allows me to be able to stand before you. So I'm just, I'm, I want to differentiate. I'm not talking, when I'm talking about spiritual gifts this morning, guys, I'm not talking about platform ministry. I'm not necessarily talking about getting a microphone it's time to preach. That may be a calling in your life. But the Bible says that your gift makes room for you and will bring you before great men. It doesn't mean that you have to promote yourself or the gifts that are inside of you, okay? That means what's inside of you, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'd like to sing on the worship team, or I would like to teach a Sunday school class, or teach kids, or serve in the nursery, or I'd love to just whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but allow the Holy Spirit to make a place for you. I, I don't know about you, but like doing the music thing for all these years, I've never been comfortable with like self-promotion. It's hard. Like we make, you know, we create music, we, we write music for our churches, and we want to bless people, and we, we, we make albums and do all these different things. But then, then it comes, after that's all done, it's just really weird. You're like, man, I have to tell people about it. 
And that's the part that gets super awkward because you just want to be like, you want people to know about it, but you don't want to be like, hey, buy my CD. It's really, really good. You know, I don't want to be a car salesman. You know what I mean? Nothing wrong if you're a car salesman. I just don't want to be, I don't want to have to sell myself. Your gift will make room for you. You don't have to sell yourself, man. It'll be obvious, your heart. And I want to talk a little bit about the heart today. Your heart is what revealed what your true motive is in having gifts, okay? So let's get into the Word. Let's look, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14. If you've got your Bibles, flip over there if, you want, if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to look at verse 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump down to verse 22. But I'm going to read this to the best of my God-given ability. I have a little bit of a reading disorder. I grew up I grew up with a reading disorder. Like I can see weird words. Like I'll see like Olympic and then I'll see it and I'll say operate. It's weird. It's like my brain's got a weird tick. But so if I say something wrong, I love Jesus. Just don't judge me. <laughs> Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Let's all say that. Say upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Very good. You guys are very obedient. That's awesome. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Thus, tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. I'm doing good, y'all. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Question mark. But if all prophesy, an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. So falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is truly among you. I don't want to get caught up in a which is better, tongues or prophecy conversation today. I think there's a greater picture to be seen in the context of this text. What I think Paul is really, really saying is tongues edifies your person. There's nothing wrong with edifying yourself by praying that. But the greater gift here is prophecy because it edifies everybody. And what, what we're seeing here is upbuilding encouragement and consolation. It's literally causing unbelievers in our midst to come in and go, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's happening. I can't explain what's happening. But the way that you guys love one another and the way that you guys are caring for one another, it's obvious to me that something is broken inside of me and I need what you guys have. Think about that. Just the simple ability to love one another effectively and well, well literally can cause an unbeliever to come in here and have their heart brought and drawn towards Jesus. We say this all the time, like it's a 70s song, you know, but it's true. They'll know that we're Christians by our love for one another, not by our political stances. Now, I'm not, I'm not kicking over sacred cows. It's not about whether you're Republican or Democrat. They don't care about that. They're going to know that we are believers and followers of Jesus by the way that we love one another. I want to love well. How about you guys? Man, the, it, this, is, this, is, 
something that I do want to address, though. The Bible says that we must earnestly desire spiritual gifts, to, de- to not desire to, desire to operate in the giftings that God's put on our lives or ask for greater gifts is to disobey Scripture, literally. Paul says this, he's happy if we're personally edified, but he's even more happy if we're able to encourage one another with the gifts he's put in our life. I've often wondered at times when I've prayed for certain gifts and I haven't seen those gifts manifest in my life, why that is. Sometimes it's because I just lose my zeal. I lose my earnest. And I think, but I also think this is another real reason. I think for a lot of reasons I haven't seen those gifts in my life because I was praying for them so it would benefit me and not the person that it's for. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I first got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to pray in tongues, I could I could barely do it, like a couple of syllables. Like nobody, nobody prayed for me. I was having lunch with the pastor, and he says, you can, be, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And on the way home, I just started praying a couple of syllables in tongues. I just believed. Just faith came into my heart, okay? Do you know when, I, when it really like broke open in my life? About a month later, I'm with some friends, and we pray. We begin to pray for my friend to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I laid my hands on this guy, and I started praying for him. And I said, Lord, fill him with the Holy Spirit. And, like, my prayer language took off like a rocket. I didn't even realize it at the time. But God was trying to teach me something about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not for us. They're for the people around us. Hey, hey, that's right. They're for the people who are around us. If we are trees and we have fruit on our trees, it's weird if you saw a tree eating its own fruit, right? It's for the other people around us. It's for us. And our heart has to be right. It has, that has to be the motivation. If that's the motivation, you're operating in a right spirit. You're operating. It's okay. And here's the cool thing, man. It, if we know, if we're known and we're loved by each other, when we miss it, it's okay. You know what I mean? There's sometimes that you try to encourage people. I've, I mean, I've literally prayed for people in this church, and like you're not gonna, you're not gonna get it right all the time. You're not a literal channel, open stream to the Holy Spirit. It's not like I have a phone and I'm just talking to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, He says this. You know what I mean? Sometimes words of knowledge, you don't miss it. But here's the thing: there's some guidelines if you're gonna prophesy into somebody else's life or have a word of knowledge for somebody else. Make sure. It's edifying, it's encouraging, or it's comforting, and whether or not it's the Holy Spirit or not, you won. You know what I mean? It's not your job to try to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't do in their life, or, you know what I mean? This is crazy. This is cool. Do you know the story of of Agabus whenever he comes to Paul and he binds Paul's hands with his belt? And he literally says, hey, uh... The man who's I, who I put this belt around, if you go to Rome, you're going to be arrested. And you would think that he was trying to warn Paul not to go to Rome. But yet, that, the exact thing that he did confirmed to Paul that he was supposed to go to Rome because God had already told him, you're going to go to Rome, you're going to be arrested. And the reason why you're being arrested is because it's going to give you a chance to be able to preach the gospel before Caesar himself. So that guy literally thought that that word was to try to warn Paul not to go to Rome, yet it was an encouraging word to Paul to remind him absolutely 100%, this is what you're supposed to do. Think about that. So sometimes things feel weird in your heart, and you're thinking, I want to I encourage this person. I want to love this person. And you say these things, and they feel weird. But, man, it might feel weird to you, but it's, it's absolutely confirming to them. Here's the thing. If you're going to, I don't mean to just harp on, a speci- on this one gift. You have, there's lots of gifts. But this is another thing that I've learned about prophecy. Just say what you feel like the Holy Spirit's told you to say. Don't add to it. Don't try to explain it. 
just say what the Holy Spirit told you to say. It's not your job to interpret what it is. It's their job to interpret it. It's their job to confirm what's in their heart. Cool? Okay, awesome. Awesome, I'm going to move on. I could speak a long time, but we could just say amen there and say that's super good. So, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, not, not, not for your benefit, for, but for other people, people's benefit. Paul's message to believers was this, that we are the church, and the church is just, it's not just a building. A church is a gathered, connected people who love one another, right? He says that because we're connected, we're a body, we're a community. This is what he says in Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. There's joint suffering, as a, as, and there's joint rejoicing in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifest, manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You're getting, you're getting the gift of the Spirit for the common good, not for your own good. If you, get it, if, you get, if you get blessed by it, awesome. But it's not just for you. It's for everybody, the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, encourage one another and build one another up. How many of you guys know, man, there's enough in this life that is tearing you down, that is banging your door down, that the last thing you need is to be in a community of people that is constantly negative and tearing you down. Man, we need one another. We need one another. We do, man. The, the church is about edification of other people and then it, instead of just lone experiences ourselves, Right? If we come into church and we're here and our ultimate goal is just to get lost in Jesus, you miss the point. You can get lost in Jesus at your house better than you can here. Because you can pop on YouTube and watch the greatest worship services on the planet and just sit there with your Bible. That's not the point. We're gathered together as the church. It's messy. We're a family. It's, it's the real deal. I'm not like him. He's not like me. There's things that rub us the wrong way. It's like 20 grit sandpaper on your face. There's sometimes you're just like, oh, I cannot go sit next to that person at church another day. They drive me up the wall, man. But that's the Holy Spirit going, I love you. I'm making you like Jesus. That's what he's doing, man. He's teaching us to be like Jesus. Because let me tell you something. I was a mess when he grabbed me. I'm still a mess at times, man. I didn't deserve his love, but man, he grabbed me. And not only that, he put a ring on my finger and a robe on my, on my, on my neck and said, I'm a son. I'm his son. And he didn't just say, hey, you're in. You sit at the end of the table. He gave me the best place and gave me authority to be able to rule with him. Think about that. Wow, man, this is the people that are sitting around you. They're not just people. They're, they're daughters and sons of the king. Amen? Here's the thing. The foundation of our spiritual giftings, the things that God has put into our hearts, is, a, is, is, is based on relationships, committed community through Christ. How many of you guys know I am a whole lot more likely to hear what you have to say to me if I know that you're committed to me for the long haul? If I think that you're going to bail on me or you're going to expose me when I'm vulnerable, there's a difference between being transparent. We're really good at church at being transparent. Transparent means, I, you know, being, being honest. Vulnerable is being, this is who I really, really am. This is the gross part of my life. This is my anger. This is my lust. This is, my, this is the things that I really, really struggle with. I'm going to really show it everything to you. What are you going to do with it? Because you can really hurt me if you wanted to hurt me. 
but if I know that, you're, that you are with me for the long haul, I'm willing to really, really show you who I am. The context of church is committed community. And if you really want to flourish in your spiritual giftings, you got to be in for the long haul. You got to be in for the long haul. Hey, man, I feel like I am. I feel like I am. It's so good, man. So good. Man, how, how many of you guys know this? If we are really members of a body, if I'm the foot, there's not really any power in a foot by itself. The foot has power because it's connected to a calf and a femur bone and a thigh and a hip and a core that says, hey, if I want to kick this ball over, over to that field, I can't just be a foot and make that happen. I have to be connected to a power source that's connected to be able to do what I'm called to do. Hear this today. God is not building supernatural individuals. God is building a supernatural church. You have been given, whether you realize it or not, you have been given giftings, yes, but you have been given divine limitations that can only be filled because you're connected to the body of Christ. But here's the thing. Limitations go away when we all connected because, yeah, I'm a finger, but Josh is a thumb or an arm or a chest or a head. There's all these different things, and when we connect, the limitations go away, and all of a sudden now we are supernatural, we are supernatural. Pause really fast. It's really, really easy to get focused on what is power and having power and control, and everybody wants to be the head or the neck. But man, how many of you guys know there's not much use for the head or the neck if somebody's not the hands or the feet and has the heart, right heart to want to serve what the head is telling them to do? hear this today. There's no, the, the head is not better than the hands. It's not. It, it's honestly not. You, you, you're, you're, we're deformed if we don't have arms or legs. We're, we're not functioning correctly. It's, it's not how God properly made us to be. Don't despise being a servant, whatever your gift is. If your gift is service or hospitality, it's not better than, it's not worse than being a leader or having the gift of leadership or the gift of, of prophecy. It's, the, the, all these things work together for the common good. The head doesn't, it has divine limitations, and it needs everything else to be supernatural this morning. J Jesus said to Peter, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He, he, says, he says that we are living stones being built together. How many of you guys know, I don't care if your life is a complete mess, if it's a complete wreck, because you are connected to the body of Christ, you are connected to something that's supernatural, and there's no devil in hell that can overcome what God has placed into your life. Take encouragement today. Take encouragement. This, the natural may look ridiculous. You might say, there's no way God remembers me or sees me or knows what's going on in my life. And God says, I understand completely, but the reality is it's not just you. The whole body of Christ surrounds you, and you're in a committed community that knows what's going on. And we run to help one another and support one another. Because, man, how many of you guys know everything in life is not happy, clappy, awesome all the time? It is not. 
And if we come in here and do that, we're just, we're lying to ourselves. Everything, and you know what? This, this is kind of a thing that's been, been said lately, but it needs to be said. It is okay to not be okay. And it should be that way in church. You don't have to come in here and put on a happy face and act like everything's cool. If you're sad, it's okay, man. Sometimes it's hard to sing. Sometimes we have to sing in faith. Yeah, but sometimes it's just good to just go, I can't even sing today. But I came here so that my brothers and sisters could sing over me and remind me who I really am. And that's why you need to be here, even if everything is great. Because at some point, it's not going to be great. Right? We need one another, man. You are connected to something supernatural. I love this, man. Because we have divine limitations, we need each other's gifts in order to live truly victorious Christian lives. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. You don't, you don't operate by yourself in the kingdom of God. You will be in trouble quickly. If we are a campfire and we're all little coals, if I pulled you out of that campfire and pulled you away from the fire, guess what happens to that coal? It might stay hot for a little while, but man, at some point it ain't going to burn anymore because it's not connected to the power source. But here's what's cool. When you pick that coal up and pop it back in, what happens? It comes back to life. Stay in the committed community that you're a part of. Be in for the long haul. Know that, man, people need you. They need the gifts that are in your life. They need the words of wisdom in your life that you got for them. They, they need it for skillful, godly living. They need to be taught words of knowledge in order to understand God's word. We need to prophesy to shake the dust of our, we need people to prophesy in our life to shake the dust of passivity off of our lives. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I'm just going to be honest. If I'm not moving forward, I'm moving backwards. There's no neutral in my life. You cannot coast in the kingdom of God. And there are times that I need people to come and be like, dude, get your act together. Let's move forward. Because if you think you're going to sit neutral, you're not. You're either drifting away or walking forward if, when it comes to Jesus, okay? We need people's mercy gifts when we're overtaken in sin and trespass. Man, I'm being made like Jesus, and one day the pain and the sin and the garbage that's in my heart and life is going to be wiped away. But, and not, but until that day, I am, we're going to have issues in our life that we struggle with. And man, I need mercy. How many, anybody in here like getting a spanking? I don't like getting spankings. Sure, I didn't like it when I was a kid. The Bible says that we have to restore one another with gentleness, and that's what we, that's what everybody wants. You know, when I was a kid, um, you know, I'm from the South, and it was a different time. I grew up in the 80s. You couldn't say this to your kids, but my, my dad used to say, tell me all the time about, about school stuff. He'd say, son, you may, act, you may be stupid, but you're not going to act stupid. That's what he would say to me. And that, what he meant by that is, like, I could get a C on my report card. My parents weren't going to get me. I wasn't going to be in too much trouble for that. But you could be, if I got an N in conduct, do y'all know what? Do y'all get N's in conduct? So there's, E was excellent where I'm from. S is satisfactory. N is like needs improvement, and U is unsatisfactory. I never got a U, but if I got an N in conduct, I knew my life was going to end. <laughs> my dad traveled during the week, and he would come home on Friday or like Thursday night, and I knew it was just like, uh, that's it. Thursday night, when I got two N's in conduct on my report cards. When I get home, when I get home on Thursday night, my life was over. It's been fun. Mom, give my G.I. Joes to, you know, Chris across the street or whatever. He like, literally, that's what I thought, you know. Man, but how many of you guys know it always felt so good whenever he extended grace and mercy towards me and restored me with gentleness? He may have spanked me, you know, four or five times in my life or something. You know, it was a little big deal. But it was just like, it was that healthy dad fear. It was like, 
we all, I call it, we, me and my brother call it with our kids, we call it fear in the hurricane. It's out there, and it could come in. <laughs> it's never going to really come in, but they know the hurricane is out there. And if I don't keep it, I don't keep back together, it's, it's coming to shore, you know. So that's what we call it, you know. My dad's a great dad, man. He loved us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But man, I just want to, I want to restore, I want to be a person who restores people in love and gentleness. I want to be a person who, who operates out of my gifting with the right motivation, the right heart. I want to be like, God, like, I love you. That's my motivation, not because so I can one-up you or be in control of you or have a platform or have a voice. Like, it's not about that, man. It's all good. Paul said this. He said, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. This is talking to the Romans. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I think that's true for us. Like, I think that we should come in every single week and long to be here. That we may be mutually edified. That I may come in here prepared to, to bring my gifting to, to love and care for those who, who are around us. Last little things, and I'll let you, we'll go in there and, and grub down here in a second. These last few things. Effective spiritual gifts are born in the context of love. Pastor is, is going to kind of be talking about love uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I just encourage you to hear these words that Paul spoke in Romans 12 like you've never heard them. Let love be genuine. Let your love be genuine. Not, not fake, not surreptitious. Don't put, on a, don't put on love. Try to honestly love people. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Anybody like having people over to your house? You do? I have a small group. I know that First Peter tells me to be hospitable without complaint. That is not always easy for me. Because you know how it is. Denise and I clean our house. And cleaning means throwing everything that we have that's out into the hall closet and shutting the door. And then closing the laundry room and go, don't go in there. Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I don't mind cooking. I don't mind vacuuming the floor. But it's like, we're cleaning. You know, it's like, we're not, we didn't clean. We just hid. We're hiding. <laughs> we're hiding. True hospitality really is inviting people into the real parts of your life. It's giving people refrigerator rights. That's what we like to call. Go into the refrigerator and get what you want to get out of there. You know what I mean? It's saying, hey, my bed's not made in there. It's cool. The door's open. My dogs are running around crazy. There's laundry out. That, that's what being hospitable, it's okay to be that. You guys, ladies especially, don't feel like you've got to be perfect. Don't put on the mask. Nobody's perfect. It's okay. Like, there's some people that, you know, have, enjoy having all that stuff together. There's no condemnation to you today either. I'm just telling you, like, don't, don't let the busyness and the realness of life keep you from the gift of being hospitable to one another. It's good, man. Just be free. You know what I mean? It's like, I live in the South. Those ladies won't even go to the grocery store without putting on makeup and fixing their hair. It's hilarious. Like, they're, you, Southern women are, like, perfect all the time. It's like, it's like, but it's such a facade. It, like, teach, it secretly teaches them that they have to be a certain way to be accepted and to be loved. Jesus loves you in your messiness. He loves you in the middle of the three loads of laundry that had not been done yet and the three that already are done that you haven't folded. Okay? Last three things, spiritual takeaways here, guys. 
Spiritual gifts naturally manifest in hungry Christians. Okay? The Bible, he's, Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. You're asking for righteous things when you're asking for the gifts that God's put inside of you or greater things to be done in your life. If you're asking for greater gifts, it's great. It's super cool. It happens in the context of being hungry for those things. You don't just, you don't just passively bump into spiritual gifts. You don't just, oh, wow, I'm a, I can, I can. Preach and prophesy now, and or whatever. I, or I can magically—I'm hospitable. I'm willing to, to go clean the toilets in the, you know, at the church and serve in that way. And the and in simple things, it's like you're not going to just naturally drift towards those things. It happens when you pursue those things. Number two is this: spiritual gifts flourish in the garden of committed community. I don't see church as a building because it's not. Church is people, but when I see church, I think about a garden. A garden takes work, doesn't it? I don't guard, y'all, I could kill a cactus. It's for real. It's, it's hilarious. Like, my house is hilarious. Like, I try so hard to keep my yard mowed and my trees limbed up and my flower beds done. Dude, I don't, it's so, it's so hard for me. It's like, it's not my gift. And it's so hard for me because my father-in-law is like a dude that could have a TV show. His garden is so perfect. You know what I mean? It's like, but like, church is hard. Gardening is hard. And that's what God's called us to be. Yes, there are things in the garden that grow up that are beautiful. There are things in the garden that go up and they produce fruit. There's, there's the soil that has to be worked. But you guys know what? There's also weeds that have to be plucked out of a garden. There's thorny places in our lives that are still there, and they're going to be there till Jesus comes back. And sometimes those things are going to be real prickly when we're together. And we just have to remember, oh, yeah, we're in a garden, and there's thorns. You know what I mean? But you know what? I love him despite of those things because I see beyond the thorn bush, the, the weeds that are trying to choke out his life, and I see the beauty of the fruit that he's bearing beyond the thorns. Third thing is this. You know what? I'm going to stop there. Those two things. I want you to remember this today, so I'm going to say those two things. You have to be hungry for a spiritual gift, and, they, and the gifts will flourish in committed community to one another. I just want to circle back to that. Remember this. People will know that you love them and receive the gift that you have for them if they know that you're committed to them. I think that's sort of the takeaway for today. Be committed to one another. Love one another. Prove it. Show up. Be here. Commit. Be in each other's lives. Like we, we get, what, two hours, two hours every Sunday to be together? The church, the original church was designed to be together a whole lot more than just two hours a week. Be intentional about connecting and being one another's lives and doing life together. We, that, that's kind of a buzzy word where I'm from too, doing life. But like really, that, that, you know what that means? Eating together. Remembering the Lord together. Praying together. How many of you guys know, did anybody else, does anybody else in here struggle with prayer? It's hard to pray, isn't it? It's hard to, like, know what to pray when you're by yourself. What happens when you get around a few people and start praying together? It's a whole lot easier, isn't it? Because we were actually designed to pray together in community. It stirs my faith when I hear you guys pray. When I pray, stirs your faith. So just be intentional about eating together. This is Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles', the apostles teaching, the pastor's teaching, to the breaking of bread, which is mean the, the 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 Lord's Supper to fellowship with actually which actually meant eating together didn't mean just fellowship it means eating at a table together and to prayer 
If we do those four things in Acts 2.42, we are doing what the basic Christian life says that we should do. And that, I can guarantee you, if we do those four things, we will love each other so hard that the people who come in here will be like, holy smokes, I got to have what you guys have. Let me pray for us, okay? Hey, listen, y'all come tonight. And come ready to see the Holy Spirit move. Man, I just pray that our, our expectations would be raised in an amazing way and we would just see God do, do amazing things. Moms, I'm just going to tell you this. I know it's a school night and your kids have to go to school or they've got, you've got a busy work day tomorrow. It's cool. Like, there's nothing that says that you have to stay through, all the way through. If you need to split early, it's cool. But don't let it keep you from coming. And also this, just bring your, put your kids in jammies and bring them here. They're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Nothing makes me sleeper on the planet than that weight, the presence of the weight. I mean, it's just that warm, like, Holy Spirit blanket that comes over you. They'll be knocked out on that pew in, like, 10 minutes anyway. They'll, they're still going to sleep. You can enjoy the presence, man. It, it, I'm just trying to find, I just want you guys to don't let natural limitations keep you from what God may want to do and say in your life tonight. So, okay, I'm ending the infomercial. I hope to see you all. Lord, we love you so much. We're so thankful that your word speaks truth in our life in a real and practical way. Lord, may we be the hands and feet of Jesus to one another and to people who are lost and broken and hurting outside of our community. Lord, we need you. We fully realize that without, without one another and without you, we can't do this. It's impossible. Lord, I pray that, God, you would anoint us with supernatural power to be the hands and feet you called us to be, to be the body of Christ. We love you. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, listen, we're going to receive an offering for Jeremy. Um, if you're making out a check, you can make it to SCF. Um, if you need an envelope for cash, and we'll have the ushers, we'll just pass the thing. I, I hope that you really heard the heart of what he was saying today. Because the minute we start talking about spiritual gifts, our mindset goes to standing behind the 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 platform or being on the platform behind the pulpit and but do you know that 99.9 percent of true ministry and gifts being used aren't here we'll limit ourselves if that's the only time it can happen is in church then I, i've got to wait till sunday morning to get my thing straight when we've got people in the body of christ who can help help us with that and it and it and it comes down to i really want to get it comes down to your heart where's your heart you know, it's really easy. People all the time, they, they walk through the door and they tell me, this is my gift and this is what I need to be doing. And, and you're right, but where is your heart? What is the heart motivation for that? Is it to be in front of people so you can have some control or authority? Or is it just to be a blessing? You, you, you've got to know that. I want to I say one thing. I want to make sure that you understand the context of what he was talking about when he was talking about the character of your life and the character of our life. Because the minute you think, well, you've got to have this certain character, you think that you've got to be perfect in everything. And that is not the truth. That's not the truth. The truth is, what is character? Character is, when, when things are messed up, what do you, you know, like we tell, he was talking about your families. Families get out of order. My family can get out of order. But character is, is but we know what God says and what God wants us to do. And this is how we're going to approach this problem doesn't mean we don't have problems or we're not messed up or we don't make mistakes. Every one of us. Okay? So, well, he made a mistake. He's got no character. He's disqualified. 
That is not what he was saying there. I want you to make sure that you understand that. Because what happens, then we, can st then we start getting judgmental. Because, you know what, you're not as good as I am. No, we've all got issues. But true characters, how, how do we approach the problems? That's, that's where it really comes down to. Your characters, I'm going to approach this problem with the word of God, by God, you know, doing the best I can with God in my life to approach these problems. Okay? So the thing of it is, is the one thing that, that he's talking about is it's a different structure and model than what we may be accustomed to seeing or have having seen before. And what it's going to take is people that, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, about what truly loving each other is and what that looks like and what that really means and what the truth of that really is. And when people see that, that will bring them to Christ because they can't find that anywhere else. You're not going to find it out there. It can only be found in Christ. So some of us are going to have to get over being offended with other people. Because let me ask you this. We pray for, we fast, we believe God for prodigals to come home. And then we're like the son that stayed, stayed and said, well, pfft, what right does he have to do anything? He left. I stayed. We pray for prodigals. We pray for hurting. We pray for the lost. We pray. For, we know that broken people are coming. We say, oh, God, come. Come, let us. And then when they come, we're like shocked that they're here. Oh, what are they doing here? They're messed up. God can't ever use them. If, that's the, if that is the standard, then none of us should be here. Listen, thank God I don't have to have my life put before the Senate. Thank God for Jesus. Amen? So, obviously, yes, there's some biblical things that that God requires, but we can't be the ones that say useful, not useful. We just can't. We have to allow God to do what he's got to do. Now, that means being obedient, you know. Now, and so some people, you know, will come to me and say, well, I've got this gift and this is how I need to be used. I, I, have, to, I have to see the heart because I have a responsibility to a body, Okay. It doesn't mean I, you're, you're disqualified, but, you know, sometimes it just takes some time. For me, way, way back, way back, years and years ago, we were offered a church, big church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, and I'm going to say this. My character and my heart was not right at that time to have taken that church. I probably would have hurt people because at that point, it was, boy, look at what God is doing in me and look how good and big I am. Now it doesn't matter to me, you know, if, you know, people say, well, you want to be the pastor? I say, well, here's the money. Wherever God wants to use me, I'm cool with it. But when you take the mic, I'm giving you my phone, too. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm saying all that to say, listen really truly loving one another supporting and helping one another 
recognizing gifts, and sometimes recognizing gifts, it, it takes time for those gifts to manifest because God wants, God is more interested in your character than he is your gift. Your character is there, your gift to be used, and, and, and he said it, man, you just keep loving God and things will manifest. Right. They're there. They're absolutely. And, and like he said, he said that, you know, you're born with them. They're there. And God will make room. Do not bully your way into a position. Because what's happened is you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt yourself. You're not going to be received. And that's a mess. And, and part of my responsibility is to make sure that that isn't a mess. Do you know there's there's nothing worse that you can do? And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm trying to close, but I, I really have to say this. Years ago, Davine and I, um, we were with some friends, and they have horses. And we, you know, we I say, let's go ride some horses. I, I'd never been trained to how to ride a horse. Davine had never been trained to ride a horse. She put my wife on this horse that was a little frisky. Okay, she was not ready to be on that horse. That horse threw her, and she was messed up bad. I mean, I mean, you talk about road rash, and it, it, it traumatized her. To where there was such a fear of even getting on a horse. And there were some other circumstances. My son was supposed to be on with her, but he doesn't. God protect him. But do you know how irresponsible it is as me as a pastor to look at you? You've got a gift, so I'm going to throw you right up here and watch yourself get road rash. Or hurt others in the process? It was years before my character was ready. Okay? That doesn't mean I didn't have the gift. Trust God. And again, have mercy on your pastor. Because I'm doing the very, very best I can, not only for you, but for this entire body. Because you know what it would be for me to throw somebody up there that's in any, and I'm not talking, if you are seeking position or title, your heart's already wrong. But to throw you in a, in a place or a position or do have you do something that people are going to throw rocks at you, I've set you up to get hurt. That's not loving you. Saying all that, there's a whole bunch of things that are getting ready to happy and happen in this body. And you know what? Some of you are going to throw rocks at me saying, what do you think you're doing? Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm obeying God. And I know that I know that I know when you do things a little different or someone thinks that so-and-so shouldn't be doing such and such because do you know what? Okay, Senator, let's put you in front of the Senate. Do you know what? We're not going to. Start tearing people's lives apart. Guess what? Every one of us in here has a past. Every one of us. God's concerned about our future and our today. So when, when you get to that, well, bless God. Again, God can use anybody he wants to because we're all broken and we've all been broken. And we're, this is a place of restoration and, and reuse, reusefulness, if, the, if that's a word. Right, so anyway, 
I, I know I'm going on and on and on and on, but I, I have to say this as a pastor. This is a pastoral moment. We need to be prepared because things are going to be different than what they've probably ever been. And it's structured maybe a little bit different. But understand that, you know, because, and when people, because people are going to come to me. If somebody gets up and does something and people don't like it, they're not going to go to you. They're coming to me. Okay? So my thing is, is that's fine. But if God has instructed me to do something, I'll say, God has told me to do this. And if somebody is in error, I will, I will gently correct them or guide them or, or help them. Do you know that your kids will, would never have learned to ride a, ride a bicycle if you never put them on a bicycle? They may fall off the bike and skin a knee, but you pick them up, you blow off the knee, you put a little bandage on and say, let's try it again. You guide them, you help them. That's what I'm supposed to do to help you do the work of the ministry. And there's, oh, we got all kinds of gifts here. And they need to be used. And it's the season and it's time. So, if you're easily offended, you probably won't be here long. But that's okay. I'm going to obey God and trust God that we can love one another enough to say, you know what? Yeah, I see your faults. But we're going to love you through and we're going to help you. Yep, we'll close with this. Right. Sure. Amen. Thank you. Wow. And I have to say, you don't know how much that means because I understand where you've come from. So anyway, we had, I'm sorry, I did this, I did this the last service too. I'm sorry I, I've kept you away, but we've got lunch for you so you don't have to go out. But I think this was very important to say all of this today. Thank you for coming and sharing that with us because it's going to go forward to what and I've got to tell you, it's the most humbly thing in the world to hear people say that I trust you because I know where you've come from and I know the brokenness that you've had. And I want you to know that I believe in you and I love you guys. And I want to get you on that bike. And if you fall off, I want to be able to correct you and say, no, steer it this way this time and have you receive that knowing that it isn't because I don't like you because I want the best for you and I want you to be able to go forward and be used of God because I don't believe there's a person on the planet that isn't fulfilled when God can use them. So thank you for that. Amen. Let's go eat.